thanks for tuning in to the Bird Brain Ramblings podcast. My name is John Hardy and welcome. Join me for a podcast dedicated to conservation and admiration of birds worldwide. Well, hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. Um, it is Saturday, and I was supposed to already have um, recorded this and posted it. Um, I'm sorry in advance. It's just been a little bit crazy recently, <laughs> uh, but it's good to be back. Um, so welcome to Bird Brained Ramblings. Um, I'm John Hardy, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, this week we've got some great topics, um, some great birds have been showing up recently and um, just some cool stuff to talk about. We're walking into winter birding. Um, it's finally decided to cool off some here in Georgia. Um, we haven't had our first freeze yet, but that is actually supposed to happen tonight. So we'll see how that goes. Um, of course, knowing Georgia weather, it'll freeze tonight and by Monday it'll be back in the seventies. So we won't get too used to it, um, but it it's good to be, you know, walking into the winter season. Um, I love winter season because you got the sparrows that are coming in. You have the chance of seeing some finches. Um, I mean, we've got our usual house finches, the occasional purple finch, those sorts of things, but um, there's always the chance for a stray accidental um, evening grosbeak or a crossbill or something like that. So, um, we're, I'm ready to walk into this winter season and see some new stuff. There's also, um, waterfowl and ducks are starting to show back up, um, which is great because I didn't get really back into serious birding until March or April of this year. And by then all of the ducks and stuff had pretty much left. So now we're walking into winter again. We're going to have those birds showing back up, which is going to be awesome. So, um, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff going on. <clears throat> Jumping right into some Georgia rarities, we've had some cool stuff recently um, here in Georgia, and we've pretty much always got something interesting. Uh, but this one's this has been pretty neat, you know, some stuff that hasn't been reported in several months. Um, it's back, so we've got ourselves a black scoter up in Fanning County. Um, that was at the Blue Ridge Lake. Um, but what's funny is the guy when he posted about it, he was like, you know. Um, that he was asked to leave by law enforcement because the park that he was at is actually closed. So um, I haven't seen any more reports of it um, because the birds were seen at that particular park, and I guess they haven't been seen anywhere else or they've moved on. Beats me. Um, we had a calliope hummingbird over in Clark County out towards Athens. Um, that's not typical for us at all, um, but there is a whole movement of people in Georgia um, and I know it's not just Georgia, I just know about the Georgia side of things, that leave their hummingbird feeders up throughout the winter uh, because there's the the off chance that, you know, we'll have um, strays, uh, but we'll also have some hummingbirds that decide to winter over. And so this hummingbird was seen over towards Athens um, at a feeder. I haven't gotten to go see this one yet, but I'm hoping that I'll get to swing over there sometime soon and go see it. It's pretty consistent, been reported for about a week now, or maybe even longer at this point. Um, so that one's pretty neat. We also had a Rufus hummingbird over in Cobb County on the north side of Atlanta. 
And um, this one was pretty cool because in the Georgia Birders online listserv, um, a guy posted that he knew the people who had seen this bird um, and that they were welcoming birders to come into their yard and see the bird. So just to contact the owners. And so quick shout out to Miss Lisa. Um, she let me come and see it. And we'll talk more about my adventure that day. It was not exactly easy to just go up there and see this bird. So, um, but it was fun. I got to go up there and see that. And at, to my knowledge, it's still hanging around. So that is, you know, pretty neat to see that one. Um, and then there's the Vermilion Flycatcher, which is still hanging out in Baker, Early, and Miller counties. Um, that that one may end up being a winter bird. Um, it, it just may be here wintering over. We don't have enough. I mean, we obviously can't make that claim yet. It's just the middle of November. But, um, you know, it may end up just staying all winter. We'll have to wait and see. So, pretty cool birds coming up around here in Georgia and a lot of stuff coming into town that is normal for Georgia, but stuff that I haven't seen yet because, um, the, you know, winter this earlier this year, um, I wasn't birding then. So there's a bunch of stuff that I haven't, you know, seen before that I'm seeing now, which is really neat. Um, and we'll talk more about that as well in a second, because I've been doing some great birding recently. <clears throat> Um, let's talk about Christmas bird counts. Um, the CBCs are right around the corner. Um, if you can believe it, we're halfway through November. And so that means that Christmas bird count season is shortly approaching. Um, I shouldn't say shortly. I guess I should say quickly approaching. But anyway, um, they're right around the corner here. And so the Christmas bird count, <clears throat> um, it's the longest running citizen science project in the United States. Um, <clears throat> Before the turn of the 20th century, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong if you're listening and you know more about this than I do, but um, before the turn of the 20th century, hunters would typically participate in an event called the side hunt at Christmas. And so basically, you know, all these hunters would get together after they, you know, eat their Christmas meal with their family or, you know, after they're done opening gifts, whatever. And the goal was for these hunters to go out hunting and then whoever brought back the biggest load of game birds would win um whether that was a prize or just bragging rights you know um i'm sure that every group that did it was a little bit different and it wasn't just like there was like five people doing this i mean there was a lot of people doing this in different areas and things so i'm sure everybody's was a little bit different but the goal was to kill as many of those game birds as possible and bring back um their treasure. I don't know. <laughs> um, however, <clears throat> beginning on Christmas Day in 1900, um, there was an ornithologist named Frank Chapman, <clears throat> and he proposed a new idea for a Christmas tradition. Um, instead of maybe shooting these birds, what if we counted them instead? And I mean, instead of just counting game birds or waterfowl, why don't we count all of them? And so... That sparked a new Christmas tradition called the Christmas Bird Count. Um, like I said, it's the longest running citizen science project in the United States. On top of that, it pretty much was a spark for conservation, uh, birding conservation in the United States. Um, you know, it that started bird conservation on a bigger level than it had been before. So... <clears throat> That brings us to today, you know, I mean, here we are years and years and years later, 
121 years to be exact. And um, we're still, you know, conserving birds the best we can. And all of it can be pointed back to the Christmas bird counts. Um, so now every year around Christmas, groups of birders from around the country gather together and bird their individual areas. Um, nowadays, I can't remember the exact distance. I think it's like a seven and a half mile ra radius or I, I can't remember, but it's a circle from a given point and birders will bird inside that circle for a set amount of time. And so that's what our Christmas bird counts look like today. I mean, the goal is still the same, to count as many species and as many individual birds as possible within a set time frame in a set boundary. Um, there are CBC circles around the country. Um, so if you're interested in joining a CBC this season, now is definitely the time to start planning. Um, I'm actually going to be participating in three different ones. If you're in Georgia, I will be participating in the Peachtree City bird count. Um, I'll also be in the Pine Mountain bird count and the Glen County bird count. <clears throat> so that's the three that I'm participating in. So, um, you know, if you're listening and you're going to be a part of that, can't wait to see you at the bird counts. Um, but even if you're, you know, not in those areas or you're out of state, you're somewhere else, Find yourself a CBC to participate in this year. Um, just go online to the Audubon Society website, and there is a map available there of the different circles across the country. And so you can click on whichever ones you're interested in signing up for. Not all of them are just open to the public, but you know you can go through there, find one that you can participate in. It gives you the contact information for the person who's leading the bird count, and just get in touch with them and say, hey, you know, um, I'd love to bird with you guys on the Christmas bird count this year. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to be a certain, you know, um, level of knowledge to be able to participate in this. You don't have to be a pro birder. Um, I am by no means a pro. And so, you know, the fact that they're letting me into these birding circles is pretty impressive. Um, <clears throat> you know, but I mean, you don't have to be a pro or anything. Um, just go and sign up. It doesn't matter your expertise level and um, just enjoy it. You know, um, Georgia's never been known to have the big CBC circles. You know, that's always like the Rio Grande Valley and places like that, or, you know, circles out in California, Alaska. They're going to be the ones that have the big counts probably. But, you know, it's, it's the experience. It's going out, birding, enjoying nature, and celebrating together. So um, I challenge all of you guys to do that. And maybe there's not a circle in your area. Consider compiling your own circle. Um, there's ways to do that. All of that information is on the Audubon Society website, like I mentioned a minute ago. So check it out when you have a second. And, you know, I challenge you to be a part of a CBC circle wherever you are. Um, in addition to the CBC, we also have our Winter Finch Forecast. Um, this is something that I had not heard of until this year, but the winter finch forecast um, is, it, I mean, it's like a weather forecast. It's a group of people, um, the Finch Research Network, that is putting together this forecast saying, you know, these species are looking to be in these areas over the winter because finches vary where they winter over each and every year. Um, so it's looking a little bit exciting this year. Um, however, it is kind of sad living in the South 
during finch season. Um, there aren't a lot of finch species that make it this far south during the winter. Um, in Georgia, like I said, you know, our biggest finch species are going to be house finches, purple finches, and, you know, the gold finches. That's it. You know, that's pretty much the limit of our finches in our area on an average year. Um, we even have a straight crossbill or evening grosbeak sometimes, but that's about it, you know. Um, but the finch forecast is compiled by Tyler Hoare of the Finch Research Network. Um, every year, Tyler and a team of volunteers from various backgrounds and experience levels survey the seed-bearing trees of the boreal far, uh, forest and southward. Based on these crops, they can then forecast what birds will do throughout the winter. Um, now, of course, these aren't, you know, I mean, it's not like they can pinpoint stuff. Um, they can make it the best educated guess possible, but at the end of the day, birds will do what birds will do. And sometimes they surprise us. So um, this year doesn't look very promising for the southern United States, <clears throat> but the northeastern United States has a good outlook, um, as well as um, the southern parts of Canada. According to the Finch Network's website, and this is a quote from their website, extreme weather this summer has played a significant um, part in this winter's forecast. With over 2,000 forest fires stretching from northwestern Ontario to British Columbia, record-setting high temperatures across much of western Canada, and severe droughts in wide areas westward from Lake Superior, food sources have been significantly impacted. Um, he goes on to explain that these factors have pushed most of the finches east to better, for better food sources. Um, the west has, I mean, like he said, the west... Um, the western parts of, you know, Canada and, I mean, even the United States have been pretty much decimated from um, the crazy wildfires and then the extreme heat. I mean, there were places in Canada that hit 121 degrees Fahrenheit this summer. Um, that is just outrageous. And so those things have pushed all the birds eastward. Um, these birds will have to head south for the winter, but not much farther than New York State. Um, you know, they're not looking for these birds to hit the Florida coast, obviously. Um, this should be a good year to see finches at the normal hot spots, but some work will still be have to put, uh, will still have to be put in to seeing these birds. Um, it's not going to be, you know, you throw out some black oil sunflower seeds and they're all just going to show up in your yard. And so, you know, I just, I would love to see some of these finches. I mean, one of my Lifelong goals is to see an evening grosbeak, a pine grosbeak, um, some crossbills, things like that. Um, I'd really love to see, you know, some of the more rare ones. Um, but, you know what, we have to do what we can. Um, and here in Georgia, we're just not looking for a lot of that. Um, so this is my big year coming up soon. Um, it's not far out now. <clears throat> and so maybe I'll get lucky and see some. Maybe we'll have some that end up too far south. But we'll have to wait and see. So um, y'all keep your eyes out for finches this winter. Um, and the sparrows are coming in as well. Like I said, there's not a sparrow research network that I know of. <laughs> um, so there's not a sparrow forecast. But it is what it is. So keep your eyes out for your sparrows as well. Because they're coming into the south parts of Georgia now. Um, which means that they've got to be just about everywhere else. So um, 
let's talk about some recent birding. Um, winter is now upon us, um, at least winter for the birds, because fall migration is pretty much over, which means for the birds, we enter winter. <clears throat> so the winter birds are coming in full swing, and um, this means that the you know waterfowl are showing up in numbers. The sparrows are flocking in. Um, finches are headed out. With that being said, though, I knew that the first winter stop I should make was at the E.L. Huey Ponds in Hampton, Georgia. Um, you've probably heard me talk a lot about the E.L. Huey Ponds. I, I bird there often. Um, they're one of the best hot spots on the south side of Atlanta. As a matter of fact, I think they are the number one hot spot on the south side of Atlanta. <clears throat> in summer, um, they're not terribly popular because they don't have a ton of birds, um, at least there. But the winter is the best time because you have all the waterfowl that shows up. So um, <clears throat> the E.L. Huey Ponds are part, uh, they're retention ponds that are owned by the Clayton County Water Authority. Um, years ago, I'll never forget it, when I was a kid, um, I was in Boy Scouts and one of the merit badges was the bird watching merit badge, I think is what it was. I don't even remember what it was called, um, but it had to do with birds. And I remember my mom took me um, and my friend Nick and then my little sister out to the E.L. Huey Ponds and we went out there for like a whole day of birding. And we didn't just go to the E.L. Huey Ponds. There's some other places around there that are fairly popular as well. There's Lake Shamrock, Lake Blaylock, um, and then the Newman Wetlands Center, which is owned by Clayton County Water as well. All of those areas are right close together. And so we went birding at all of those locations. But I remember specifically that mom took us out to the E.L. Huey Ponds. And I was astonished. I mean, you could go to these ponds and see a ton of birds, specifically ducks, by the thousands. I mean, never in my life have I seen this many... Well, I, I mean, I've seen this many ducks. I'll put it to you this way. I've never seen this much of a variety of species of ducks in one spot. And so it was, it was spectacular. I mean, it was just... It was mind-boggling. Um, that was way before they required a permit... Nowadays, there is a permit that's required for you to access these ponds, but I was lucky enough to receive one of these permits a few months ago. So on the 8th of this month, I woke up super early and drove out to the ponds um, before work. And um, that's the hard thing about birding when you have a full-time job is you got to find ways around work to bird. And um, thankfully, I was going in late that day to work. So the ponds opened at 7 o'clock that morning. I was like, I will be there at 7 o'clock. And actually, I showed up early and had to park on the side of the road until the gate opened. But um, <clears throat> so I went out there in in three hours, really less than three hours. Um, it was more like two hours and 15 minutes because I had to drive to work. But um, in that time, I had a list of almost 50 species of birds. Um, Georgia lists are not known for being that big. Um, I mean, there's obviously locations at certain times of the year that are going to have that many on there or like bird banding sites will have that many on there. But we're not talking <clears throat> about these being 50 birds per list often. It's just not how it works. Um, many of these birds were lifers for me. Um, it was really, truly amazing. Um, so that morning when I got to the ponds, <clears throat> it was cold, like severely cold. 
uh, I say severely cold, but it was severely cold in Georgia terms, which is like 40. Um, <laughs> so I got out to the ponds and pulled my binoculars, my camera, my scope, um, which by the way, you can bird at E.L. Huey without a scope, but a scope comes in handy. Um, because there's so many ducks out there and from a distance, they just look like ducks. I mean, you can guess at what they may be, but they just look like ducks. And so, um, you know, it was important to have a scope. So if you've got a scope, make sure you take it with you if you go birding here. But I got out of the car and the first thing I saw was an egret. Um, there was a great egret on that first pond right inside the gate and a great blue heron as well. Um, and they were just, you know, grazing. Um, the sun had not really come up too far yet, but I was like, well, you know, the sun is coming up, so it'll be good. It'll be okay. You know, I'll see birds eventually. So I walked past that pond. I went to the far right pond, um, right front pond. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, and that one had a lot of ducks in it. Um, we had some green winged teals, um, a ton of gadwalls. Um, I mean, just a, I mean, gads of gadwalls. Um, <laughs> and there was a lot of them out there. Um, there was some mallards mixed in, of course. Um, and then while I was there, mind you, the sun had not come up all the way yet. And so with my, even with my scope, there was some of them out there that just didn't look quite like either of those species. But I went ahead and just, you know, kept birding. Um, there was some shovelers that had been out there. And there was a couple of them that just looked different. Um, in the barely morning light, they looked different than a gadwall. But they could have been a gadwall. And so I was like, well, later on, I'll come back over here when the sun comes up some more and do another look. Um, and so that was my plan. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll come back over here in a little bit and do some more looking. Um, I was really looking for a long-billed dowager. There had been a long-billed dowager reported at the ponds, as well as a snipe, a Wilson snipe had been um, reported there as well. Um, the snipe is not a rarity, but the dowager was. So I was like, I really want to see that while I'm out today. Um, and there was a greater yellow legs also that had been reported, which I didn't get to see, unfortunately, but it's okay. So I was like, let me just move on. I'm going to do a quick scan of everything and then I'll come walk back around and we'll, you know, do some more heavy duty looking at that point. I had the hardest time pulling myself from that pond with those ducks. It was like, I'd take a few steps and I'd be like, oh, what is that? And I'd stop and put my scope back down. Oh, it's just another gadwall. And I'd walk a few more steps. Oh, what's that? <laughs> so um, it, it took me a minute to walk off. But there was all these little birds flitting around um, down in the, like, the, the grass and stuff that was growing in the ponds. Couldn't figure out what those were. Um, I, I imagine that I know what they were, but... It was still too dark for me to figure it out. So I was like, you know, maybe hopefully they'll still be over here when the light came up. But they weren't um, when I got back over there. So it's a sad story, but it is what it is. That's how birding is sometimes. I went on back to the far right pond in the back, and I expected there to be water in there because a couple months ago when I was there, there was water. And there was no water. Um, it had been drained. But there was some more egrets out there, um, as well as that's where I saw um, some Dunlin. Um, as well as some killdeer. We had um, the Wilson snipe and the long-billed dowager were out there as well. And so I did get to see all of those. Spent a few minutes looking at that, and then I heard something and looked up to the side. Um, came across some Vesper sparrows. Um, 
and they were, I mean, they were just gorgeous singing and, um, they had a swamp sparrow over there as well. Beautiful birds. Um, a, a red shouldered hawk flew up into um, one of the trees that's in the middle of the pond. Um, and I got to see that for a second. Blackbirds by the hundreds. I did an estimate of 200 blackbirds and I just put like SP blackbird because honestly it was hard to tell what they were. Um, I did get a close enough look at four of them. That's about all I did. I wasn't going to push it too hard because I didn't, I mean, I could spend all day just looking at the blackbirds trying to figure out what they were. But um, of course it was red winged blackbirds, but there was also some rusty blackbirds mixed in. And so, um, you know, added both of those to my list and moved on. As I was getting ready to walk off though, there's a little sign on one of the paths there that caught my attention and I looked at it and on top of it was an American kestrel. And so I'd added that to my list real quick. Um, walked really quick to the far left pond, the one big pond, and more and more ducks. We had some lesser scops in there, some uh, ring-necked ducks, which is actually a ring-billed duck, but whatever, who cares. Um, there was, um, I'm trying to think without looking at the list, because I don't have the list with me right this second, but, um, but there was a lot more ducks and stuff in there. Saw another Wilson snipe, um, identified a bunch more, you know, passerines and things like that, just there was a lot of birds out there, some wrens, bunch of sparrows, um, and all that kind of stuff. So it was really pretty to be a ton of killdeer over there at that pond as well. Um, but I just so happened to look off to the side. Oh, there was some American coots too, um, which is a lifer for me on eBird. Um, I've seen them before, but I don't know where and I don't know when. I know that I've seen them though. And so it was a lifer, quote unquote, for me because it had not been seen yet on my eBird list. So it is what it is. But I looked over there towards the American Coots and there was something that did not look like a coot. I got my scope on it and it was ruddy ducks. There was three of them. Um, I was hoping to see the ruddy ducks because um, they had been reported there and I knew that they were there. Um, so I really, I was really excited to see those. I don't know why, but those ducks just look gorgeous to me. Um, beautiful, beautiful ducks. So... That one was pretty neat to see. Um, of course, I walked around that pond for probably an hour out of all my time because that was the big pond. It had the most in it. Um, and I was just trying to identify everything. I couldn't, there was some stuff that I just couldn't identify because I couldn't get my scope on it fast enough. Lots of kinglets flying around. But um, I left that pond and started walking back to my car on the front road, which brings you back by the first pond that you see. And I looked out there and there was some swallows um, flying around the, the, you know, skimming the top of the pond. And I was like, oh, look. And I thought, it's a barn swallow, obviously. And I, then I got my binoculars on it and I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't look like a barn swallow. And then I got my scope on it and it is a late tree swallow. Um, tree swallows are usually summer birds here. Um, but there was two of them flying over that pond, just gorgeous, with that emerald green back, and the sun was bouncing off their back. It just looked like gems flying across this pond. Um, and then their super white, snowy bright belly. Um, it was just, they're beautiful birds and all that. So I did go ahead and I was looking at the clock. It was getting close to time for me to leave to go to work. And so I grabbed my stuff and I hurried over to that first pond I went to with the ducks in it. And I wanted to get a better look at stuff. And I kept looking and I was still seeing the same birds. 
you know, just over and over and over seeing the same birds until finally I came across the ones that looked different. And um, most of the ones that looked different turned out to be gadwalls. Um, they were just from a weird glance, you know, a weird angle, that sort of thing. But then in the middle of the pond, in a group of gadwalls, was a single, solitary redhead. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, man, that's a lifer for me. And, um, I mean, just a plainly clear redhead. There was no denying it, you know. Um, it was not shaped right to be a canvas back. Um, there's just, it just did not look like a canvas back at all. The head wasn't shaped right, so on and so forth. And so, um, I did determine it was a redhead and, um, I saw that one and I was like, okay, great. Then I looked at my, <laughs> I looked at my phone and I was like, oh crap, I gotta go. <laughs> so I threw everything in my car and went ahead and drove off to work. But that brought my life list up to 233 species, um, with, for my life list. And all of those have been seen this year. Um, including the stuff I've got some on there that are records back from 2018 when I originally started using eBird. If there's a record in there from 2018, I have also seen those this year. I've gone through it and double checked. So everything I saw this year is also a lifer for me. So 233 birds, that's pretty awesome. Um, so good stuff, right? Well, the next thing was really cool. Um, the next day I was presented unexpectedly with a day off. Um, scheduling for work has just been insane recently, and so you never know when you're actually going to be at work and when you're not. And what turned out to be supposedly my off day, I still had to go back to work about four o'clock that afternoon. It was just, you can't seem to get away right now. <laughs> so, um, but I had a day off, quote unquote, and I got in touch with the lady, Miss Lisa, up in Cobb County, who owned the property where the Rufus Hummingbird had been seen. And I just sent her a quick email. I was like, hey, you know, I have a day off tomorrow. I'd love to come up and see the bird. She was like, totally, you know, come on by. Um, we'll see you then, you know, just let us know when you're here. So I drove up to Cobb County through Atlanta traffic in rush hour, which is never an easy thing to do. Um, let's just say that the Lord's going to have to forgive me for the awful thoughts I thought about the people who can't drive in Atlanta. Um, but, I mean, phew, these people can't drive. But anyway, um, I got up to her house and she came out. We talked for a few minutes. She's a super sweet lady. Um, and she, she basically told me, she's like, you know, I have to leave here in a little, in a little bit, but you are more than welcome to hang out in the yard until you see it. You know, you can hang out just about all day, you know, it, whatever works for you. Um, just kind of hang out and enjoy. And so I was like, oh, well, this is really nice, you know. Um, and then I walked around her house to the backyard where the bird had been seen. And they had the most beautifully landscaped garden in that backyard. I mean, it the whole place was just landscaped in the most amazing way. And they were all native plants. Um, and so that was even better because it's creating the best possible scenario for urban birding. And so um, I went into her backyard and, I mean, there were birds everywhere. And um, I saw a sparrow that looked... Like, it wasn't a song sparrow, but it turned out to be a song sparrow. Um, Wes, if you hear me, um, thank you for your help. Um, I have a fellow birder named Wes who I sent a picture to, and I was like, hey, does this look like a song sparrow to you? And he's like, yep, looks like a song sparrow to me. I was like, oh, crap. I was hoping it would be something crazy. But anyway, 
And so, um, I, you know, I was just, I was watching the birds. There was blue-headed vireos up in the trees, lots of woodpeckers. Um, there was some hawks flying around calling to each other. It was really neat. Um, and I was excited because I was like, oh my gosh, she's got so many birds in her yard. And, um, you know, I, I was like, I can't wait to see this hummingbird. And I sat there and sat there and sat there. And she had two hummingbird feeders. And the way the yard was landscaped was the most inconvenient way because you could not see or you couldn't get a good glimpse of both hummingbird feeders at the same time from a single spot. So I would watch one for a little bit and then I'd move to see the other one. And I'd sit there for a little bit. And then, well, I finally found a spot that I could sit at. She had a chair in the yard and I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, it wasn't the best views, but it was good enough that if the hummingbird showed up at one of the feeders, I'd be able to see it. And so I sat down and I was just chilling and um, I had taken off my hoodie cause it was starting to finally warm up some. And then I was like, I was getting bored. So I got on my phone. Um, I was answering some questions from some people at work and, um, finding out that I was going to need to be in the office that afternoon and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like something, something just told me in the back of my head, Hey, look up. And I looked up and I turned my head to the left to the feeder that was further off in the backyard, and there it was. Now, mind you, I was a good bit away, but I, there was a hummingbird on that feeder, and I was like, there's a 90% chance that that's exactly what that is. And so I got up, and man, I rushed over to the feeder, of course, being an idiot, rushing over to the feeder, because the bird got scared and flew off. And I was like, crap! <laughs> I knew I was going to need pictures of this bird. Um, but I was like, okay, well, let me just hang here. You know, obviously it's coming to this feeder, and then I thought, I can't see the other feeder from here. So I'm like, my luck is going to be that this bird shows up at the other feeder. But I didn't worry about it. I was like, I'm going to stay right here and hope that it comes back over here. After about 10 minutes of waiting, um, I was standing maybe 10 feet away from the feeder um, with my camera. And um, that beautiful Rufus hummingbird flew up to the feeder. And the sun was hitting that bird. And it was like this flash of bronze. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was such a pretty bird. And I took, I think I took 64 pictures of, of it. Um, I pretty much just like stood there with the shutter button held down and my phone was just click, 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 you know. And because um, I was like, I'm not missing this bird. And so I watched it for a little bit and then it flew off again. It came back about 10 minutes later. And finally I was like, okay, you know, I saw what I came here for and now I've got to go to work this afternoon. So I was like, let me just go ahead and pack it in and head home. Um, so I did that. I, I, I did exactly that. I packed it up and I started heading home. Um, but it was really cool getting to see that Rufus hummingbird. Um, thank you again, Miss Lisa. If you ever listen to this, I doubt you will because there's like five people who listen to this. But um, OK, there's more than five people, but still. Um, so, you know. Um, I just thank you, Miss Lisa, for, you know, let me come and see it and being so hospitable with your yard, um, and just let me hang out, you know, I certainly appreciate it. My life list appreciates it too. Um, <clears throat> but I have to take a little bit of a side note here. Um, uh, I, I've always told you that if I go out on a birding adventure, I'm going to make sure that I tell you about where I eat. So the day that I went to E.L. Huey, I did not eat anywhere that day fancy. I ate breakfast before I left the house, and then I went work. I mean, there was just nothing involved there. <clears throat> but when I was in, uh, when I went to go see the Rufus Hummingbird, I had to drive back through downtown Atlanta to come home. And 
I was looking at the clock and I was like, okay, it's early, but I'm already hungry. So let me go ahead and make a stop. <clears throat> so on the north side of Atlanta, just past where Interstate 75 and 85 split on the north side, if you're familiar with the area, <clears throat> there is a restaurant called Hancock's Taqueria. And um, basically, it's this super sweet Korean family that has opened a restaurant where they make tacos. <clears throat> and it's like street tacos. But it's got a Korean twist to it. So like all the seasonings they use, all the sauces they use, their recipes. It's the general idea of a taco, but it's very Korean. And um, it's, it's very unique. Um, Guy Fieri from... The Food Network has been there before. It was voted one of the 50 manliest restaurants um, to eat at from Men's Health Magazine. It's been mentioned at, on TripAdvisor as being one of the top places to eat in Atlanta. <clears throat> and it's just this little hole-in-the-wall restaurant. Um, but they have some delicious stuff. Each day they have daily specials. And so um, I got the buffalo chicken taco, which is not buffalo chicken the way we think of buffalo chicken. It's more of a sweet and spicy because um, it, it has that Korean. And, you know, Korean has a lot of that sweet and spicy flavor that is just outrageously delicious. Um, so I got the uh, the buffalo chicken taco and then they have a shrimp taco as well, um, which has some delicious aioli on it that is just to die for. And so I got those. And then they also serve up a couple traditional sides. Um, and, you know, two of those are um, sesame seed fries, um, and they're really good. Um, they have a really cool flavor with them. They're served with um, this spicy, herby ketchup. And then they also have something called mandu, which is like a dumpling would be. And that's served with a sesame seed soy sauce. And so I had the two tacos in an order of mandu. Way too much fun, um, food for me to eat, but that's okay. I ate it all, I enjoyed every minute of it, and then I had to roll home because I had eaten so much. <clears throat> Just kidding on that, but if you're ever in Atlanta um, on the north side <clears throat> and you have an opportunity to pull over and eat, I recommend eating at Hank Cook's. Hank Cook's is off of Howell Mill Road, and so just look out for that exit on the interstate and go eat at Hank Cook's. Um, of course, I say if you're on the north side because if you're from Atlanta, you know that Atlanta is about an hour away from Atlanta. It The traffic is just too bad in Atlanta to do anything. So if you're on the north side, uh, make a stop in. But um, I've had some great birding recently, and I'm looking forward to more great birding. Um, what's next for me? I'm not 100% sure. The reason I say that is my big year is coming right around the corner, and we're walking into the holidays with family and um, of course, this time of year is just really busy for everybody. Work is really busy right now. And so if I'm going to have the time and money to put into a big year next year, I think it's time to take a little bit of a break. Um, so I won't be doing as much crazy traveling. I won't be doing a bunch of rarity chasing. Um, I'll still be birding. I'll still be recording the podcast. But I think it's time to take a little bit of a break and save some money before my big year um, comes around so that I am ready to hit the ground running on January 1st. So, um, you know, it, this is the time of year for family. And I have elderly grandparents um, that I, you know, that I love dearly and I need to spend the holidays with. Um, every year that, 
you know, we get older as the grandkids. We all seem to grow a little bit further apart <clears throat> because we're all beginning to be more and more independent. Um, and so we've all got our jobs. We're working full time. We're moving off. We're further away from each other. We have busy schedules. And so the holidays is a good time to just slow down and focus in on family. So that's what my plan. Focus on family save some money because I know next year with my big year, I'll still be with my family on the holidays, but it's not going to be the same. I'm not going to be spending a bunch of time. You know, I'm not going to have a bunch of time. I'm going to have to be chasing rarities, especially towards the end of the year. If something's reported, I got to hit the road because that's one of my last chances to add new species to my list. So, um, you know, like I said, I'll still be birding. I'll still be excited over new species. I'll still be recording the podcast. Um, I'm still working on getting Alexander Park and McDonough set as a hotspot, which I've talked about before. Um, still working on finding ways to volunteer in the birding field. Um, I've got a bird banding trip coming up, uh, which you guys will hear about once that happens and the podcast gets released. But, um, you know, th- I'm just going to start taking a break and focusing in on what next year has in store. So, um Thank you guys so much for tuning in. <clears throat> Sorry that this podcast is a couple days late. Um, but, you know, definitely um, keep listening in. Um, if you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, if you want to leave a question or comment, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Um, you can also, you know, email me um, or send me an a message on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. Um, I'll make sure that that stuff's in my show notes. Um, but if you would rather just hear it, um, the email is t63john2 at gmail.com. Uh, my Instagram is jhardy underscore big year. And my Twitter is at Georgia Birding. So, um, you know, I'd love to get in touch with you guys. I'd love to hear from you. You know, just shoot me a message. Even if you don't have a question or anything, just say, hey, you know, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep going. You know, um, I'd love to hear from you guys and all that. Um, I did want to point out that I've got some listeners in Germany and in England um, or the United Kingdom. I'm sorry. i got to say it right. But um, so if you are, you know, in Germany or the United Kingdom, you're listening to me. I mean, heck, I, I'm hey, I'm impressed. Thank you. Um, you know, you don't even know Georgia and you're listening to my podcast and that's pretty awesome. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys too. I'd love for you guys to come to Georgia and come birding with me for goodness sake. But, um, anyway, y'all have a great week. I will try to be more on time with my next podcast. Um, and until we see each other next time, um, have a good week, be safe and happy birding.